This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 645 with Amy Green Smith. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 645. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Amy Greensmith is a certified and credentialed life coach and hypnotherapist, masterful speaker, and personal empowerment expert. Amy uses her roles as coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-worth. With an acute focus on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her uncommon style of irreverence, wisdom, and humor, and has been featured in Inspired Coach Magazine and on Fox 5 San Diego. Amy and I were connected via our mutual friend, Andrea Owen, shout out Andrea, who suspected we might hit it off. And well, we totally hit it off. Oh my goodness. I could have talked to Amy for days. Her energy is so infectious and the language in this episode matches the energy. So we've labeled this interview explicit. Hold on to your pants because you are in for a fantastic conversation about having hard conversations. This is a good one with lots of nuggets. You might want to listen more than once and you might want to put in some earbuds if you have little ears around and you are sensitive to language. So listen in to hear Amy share about her unexpected relationship with Eminem and Cross Stitch, the story of finding her voice and her confidence after growing up in an extremely conservative evangelical family. What happens if a person is emotionally flooded in a heated conversation? How to use a bridge statement in a hard conversation? How to use conversational consent in your conversations? Why you are responsible for your intention, but not your reception in conversations, situations, and relationships. Oh, this is a lesson I feel like we all have to keep learning over and over again. So such a good one. Amy also shares why people will not listen to other people if they don't feel understood. She talks about what a boundary hangover looks and feels like. She talks about the defense mechanism of fawning that keeps us safe when we're young, but has turned women into massive people pleasers. Another really golden nugget there with that whole situation and commentary or uh, not commentary, education around fawning that you're definitely going to want to listen to. And then Amy talks about what happens when self-help goes wrong. There's a lot in here, so many good things. Again, I think you're gonna wanna listen more than once. So let's go ahead and dive in and welcome Amy Greensmith to the Shameless Mom Academy. 
Amy, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you. Sarah, I have been thinking about you because I am dying for some dark chocolate peanut butter cups. <laughs> and I heard you talk about it on your show. And I was like, oh my God, soul sisters. So dark chocolate peanut butter cups, specifically from Trader Joe's, might be like the most important key to my joy over the last two years. <laughs> And I feel like that's not like the right answer. Like you should be like, well, like the quality time with my family in the pandemic. Nope. Like nope. Chocolate peanut butter cups. <laughs> yes. I think we should start calling it a KJI, a key joy indicator. Yes. So oh, my 100%. high KJI is <laughs> the dark chocolate peanut butter cups from traders. <laughs> oh my gosh. 100%, 100%. I love it so much. So we have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Andrea Owen, who Andrea for a long time was like, Oh, my friend, Amy, my friend, Amy. And we, after a certain point, I was, uh, she said, mentioned you coming on the show. And I don't remember if your team reached out or if Andrea connected us, but when there was the opportunity to have you on the show, I was like, Oh, hell yes, we're doing that right now. So we're here. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, I'm thrilled. You're definitely my people. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And you are mine. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And besides dark chocolate peanut butter cups, what are you most excited about right now? Well, speaking of Andrea, she's coming over for a, a middle-aged slumber party tomorrow night, <laughs> Love it, <laughs> which will be super fun. But I know you and I are also aligned it, from the business standpoint. I'm most pumped up about speaking right now, nice. but if I'm not talking about that, I have picked up an extremely middle-aged craft. I am now an avid cross-stitcher and (laughs) this has been on my list. I went for puzzles during the pandemic. And so I don't know if I have room for both, but cross-stitch is definitely on the list. And I was like a teenage cross-stitcher, which is less cool than being a middle-aged (laughs) cross-stitcher. Well, my mom did it a lot. You know, I think you and I are close in age. And so she did it a lot in like the eighties and nineties, but she did, I mean, like, basic bitch stuff. Like, (laughs) so I've been doing like the hyper realism stuff where my brother is a huge fan of Eminem. So I did for his brand new house, I cross-stitched him an Eminem. (laughs) I am Uh, dying because I, those things don't seem like they should go together. Eminem and (laughs) cross-stitch. Yes. I'll text it to you so you can, please, please. Oh, that's so cool. Now I'm like having a cross stitch craving, but um, <laughs> like maybe I need to put my puzzles aside and get into some cross, get into it, get into it. Oh my gosh. So cool. And I'm so excited for you that you are like listening. We had this talk before we started, before we hit record, but this listening inward of like a lot of things have changed in the last couple of years. And from a standpoint of like, what is our intuition saying about who we are becoming and like who we want to be in this next season? Cause everyone is going into a next season at some point as we shift into a, not even as we shift out of a pandemic, but as we shift into a different kind of pandemic or more of an endemic. And I love that you're listening to your intuition to think through like, okay, who do I want to be after this real long, relentless season? And what do I want my life to look like and my work to look like, and how do I want to contribute to the world? And I love that speaking is the thing for you. That's very cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because it has always been the thing, but I've pushed it down and pushed it down and pushed it down. And there's always been something else that seems so much more emergent or what I should be doing. And I think the pandemic was really illuminating for me in many ways, but from career wise, I was like, okay, this is just the universe being like, bitch, get up and get on a stage. God damn it. (laughs) You know? Yes. Yes. And I think that we all are hearing those nudges because we've been through such a massive, I don't even know what to call it, like a massive season of growth or transformation. Although maybe it doesn't feel like we've been growing or transforming until we're able to have a little more hindsight. So being able to listen and pay attention to like, okay, what does this mean for me moving forward? I just think is so important. And I see like, we see everyone around us deciding like, Hmm, some of those things that I thought I needed before, or that I thought were like the right choices before were like cultural conditioning stories I was making up about what I needed. And it wasn't, wasn't actually what I needed. That's right. Well, I think we also had this really interesting opportunity where we were so caught in 
hustle culture and Mm -hmm. production and sort of that the patriarchal, you know, capitalist produce, produce, produce. And then when everybody was kind of forced to stop and take stock of what really mattered, there was a moment where people were like, nope, not going to do that. Let me learn how to bake bread. And, (laughs) and, And then we were like, oh, oh, I can't distract myself from all these, this recurring trauma that's coming mm-hmm. up, that's kicking up old trauma. And yeah. I think we kind of went, okay, I guess I do need to start working on some of this stuff and uncovering what I might not have been looking at for yeah, the last absolutely. handful of years. Absolutely. So along the lines of intuition and looking and covering things up, let's talk about uncovering and for you finding your voice and your confidence and in your family, you have a story around that. And I would love to hear it. Yeah. I think for many of us who are now in the quote expert space, whatever the fuck that is, (laughs) we have learned really hard lessons that then eventually become our mission in life to kind of share with others. And my story is very similar. So for a bit of context, I grew up in a very conservative born again evangelical Christian home. My father had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry. Wow. So yeah, he wasn't fucking around. No, and not. <laughs> you know, I went to a Christian school my whole life. And so what that looked like is as I, you know, obviously I was highly motivated from a place of guilt and fear and shame that, you know, is kind of the whole essence of that dogma. And then as I grew up and got older, I really started to realize that I'm, you know, part of the queer community. And there was a lot of things that I didn't subscribe to any longer, but I ended up getting married when I was 20 and my husband and I, you know, whenever we would go visit my parents, I would say, okay, I would preface everything. No cussing. Don't even think about bringing alcohol. Don't talk about gay rights. Don't talk about abortion. No Howard Stern, no South Park. Like don't talk about basically like, don't be you like stifle and most of yourself and be this like 10% version of yourself. Exactly. It was essentially put up a facade twist and contort and shape shift in order to be acceptable. And everything really kind of came to a head in 07 when my father passed away. And another slight bit of context, I have two younger siblings, both of whom had extreme tumultuous youths and they would trouble with the law and did jail time and didn't go to college, you know, whatever, no judgment. But by all accounts, I was kind of, I was the good kid, right? Mm, you Started were the working, one who followed the norms, followed the path. With the overachiever, the perfectionist, that all of that, the first child situation. And so I had put myself through college. I had worked since I was 14, you know, all of that. So at the the day of my father's service, I knew that because I had a background in makeup artistry that I wanted to do his makeup for his viewing. So I did. And it was a really powerful exchange. And I felt like it would just be such a dick move if I was, if I had that skill set. And I was like, oh, no, dead dad, go get another makeup artist. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I felt incredibly convicted that I needed to do that. And in addition to that, I spoke to, you know, the service, which was hundreds and hundreds of people. My dad was a really incredible human. And we, so by all accounts, I felt like I was winning at daughter that day. Mm-hmm. We get back home. Not to mention that there's all these people laying their hands on me and telling me a bunch of shit that I don't subscribe to. And, you know, that whole agony of pretending to be something that you're not is also really difficult and mired with, you know, the historical issues of seeing people that I went through trauma with. Right. So we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to tell me that she feels as though my father and her had failed as parents because the three of us were not quote walking with the Lord. Oh boy. And I'm like, I just did makeup on my dad's corpse. Yeah. Like how fucking dare you. Right. So the only thing I could kind of muster in that moment was to say, you really shouldn't say that to a child. And she said, well, that's just how I feel. And that really became sort of the impetus behind 
the evolution that I've had in my own life, but then also in the work that I do in the world, because I realized that I really don't believe that speaking up for yourself or taking a stand or establishing a boundary, it isn't always an ultimatum. But there are times when you do have to make the decision between I'm either going to make you happy or I'm going to make me happy. And I made that decision that day that when push comes to shove, I'm going to choose me. And Sarah, let me tell you the (laughs) shit show that followed after that. (laughs) Because you should definitely tell us, definitely tell us. Everyone's like, we want to know like what happened because I think when we talk about boundaries and we hear people talk and we hear people, coaches preach about like, just set a boundary and just tell them you're not going to stand for that. Blah, blah, blah. It sounds really great in theory, but then you're like, but what happens when everything falls apart after you set the boundary or blows up? That's right. Well, because I didn't have the skill set to adequately speak up for myself with poise and assertiveness and grace and kindness, I just became extremely combative and adversarial. And I think it was partly because I was the oldest. And then when my father died, my mom leaned on me for a lot of things, even though geographically, my two younger brothers were a lot closer to her. So it was like, she was looking at me to fill this void. And then there was also, now there was just one of them. And I didn't feel like I had to be me against two people who were allied in the same belief structure. So And I, truth be told, I had more respect for my father's intellect. And that's still something that I kind of battle with today. So there were many a time that I would kind of unleash this diatribe on her and I would have to go back and clean up my mess. And this is something that I would very much impart to everybody listening that a lot of times whenever we have this altercation or the dam burst, so to speak, we think okay, I've got to go clean this up. So I'm going to take back my content or my belief or my stance. And what we really need to be taking back is our delivery, apologizing Mm. for our delivery. And so that's what I ended up doing is telling her, hey, I still feel very strongly about what we were conversing about, but you absolutely did not deserve for me to speak to you in that way. And for that, I'm incredibly sorry. And it was after doing that, an innumerable amount of times that I realized, oh, I bet you could actually speak up for yourself without being an asshole. (laughs) I bet you could actually be incredibly assertive Mm -hmm. and really embody grace and kindness at the exact same time, which now is very much the foundation of the work I do is teaching people how to establish boundaries, say no, speak up, have tough conversations and do it in a way where you're genuinely proud of how you've shown up. I love that. Oh my gosh. So good. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters 
and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I have to tell you a little anecdote of a boundary I practiced recently. I was in a conversation with someone and I had set a boundary and they were, didn't like it at all. And instead of like being able to talk it through or like acknowledge that I needed a boundary in the moment, they were like, we're just going to have to not talk about that right now. And like wanted to switch subjects on me. And they went like right into like me feeling like this conversation was left hanging in the air to like jumping into a totally different subject. And like, so did you see that? Like it might rain this weekend. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I was like, what's happening? Like we went from this like heated conversation to this tone of like, so on Saturday, like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is so weird. And I felt so uncomfortable. And I've had this exchange with, I've had the situation with this person before where I just let them jump subjects and be like, okay, like, I just don't want to make it weird or more weird than it already is. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, this is not a way to have a functional relationship with this person. So we talked about the weather over the weekend for a minute. And then I was like, Hey, can we just revisit something for a minute? I really need to. And I then kind of went into like, I need a little bit of closure around this. And here's, I was specifically was like, I'm curious if you could just help me understand this, like one dynamic that was happening. And we ended up having this really great conversation around it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's how it's done. And I feel like that was something I wasn't good at doing before, but now that I've done it once, I'm like, okay, now I have a template. <laughs> like I can do that. The next, if this happens again with this person or another person where something just gets like skipped over or not acknowledged. And I feel like my needs were just not met or I wasn't seen or heard, which is real triggering to me. If I feel like I'm not seen or heard that now I have like a way to kind of go back and be like, Hey, can we back up for just a minute and do it in a way that's not me losing my, my composure or being highly emotional. And it's also not me letting, letting myself get trampled on, which was, it's a game changer. And like feeling like now I have a skill there. There's a couple of things about what you just shared that I think really deserve highlighting. One of them is the awareness that you had that, okay, this pattern of conversation doesn't work for me. This idea of just letting them switch topics from something incredibly heated to something innocuous doesn't work well for me. The other thing is that you embodied conversational consent. You actually went back and said, can we go back here? And I don't think that's where, what we often do. We don't ask for permission because what you're sharing with me, it sounds as though this other person got really flooded Mm -hmm. And where it was almost like an overwhelm of emotion. And for some folks in that situation, and there might be people listening, it's virtually impossible for them to continue on. It doesn't sound like that was the case here, but sometimes if somebody is in that place where they're so emotionally flooded, they will then only go into sort of the sympathetic nervous system and start going fight, fight, freeze, fawn. They'll start hurling insults. They'll shut down completely. So circling back and being able to say even something like what I like to term a bridge statement, something that's Mm. just a bridge between 
what's happening in the situation and where you want it to go. So to say something like, perhaps this person isn't necessarily wanting to tidy up that conversation, they might not give you that consent or not be willing, or that might not be where they're at. But to say verbally, to be really honest with you, I'm still a bit charged from our conversation and I don't feel like I can just easily start talking about the weather, (laughs) right? Like, and that, so that's a bridge, right? Where you can say, are you willing to circle back? But then also respecting if they can't. Mm -hmm. And then to say, what would you think about if we tabled this for a couple of hours and reconvene or a day or whatever, but to give that as a respect to the emotional current that's happening for both individuals, because far too often we don't do that. We we're like, I've got something to say and you're going to fucking listen. Right. Right. And or we, we shut down, but like, and yes. I think it depends because I can go either way, depending on who I'm talking to. That's right. Um, but like both of those are not, they're ultimately both dysfunctional. Yes, absolutely. And I think another thing that's really important here that a lot of people miss that sounds like you really embodied as well is coming from a place of vulnerability. So, so often when we feel at odds because we feel threatened, we start to armor up as Brene talks about, right? Our lady Brene of House Brown. And (laughs) I call her sister Brene, but I do like House Brown. (laughs) Sometimes I call her B-Money. Love it. But, you know, the more we embody vulnerability, the more likely we are to elicit that same uh, current from somebody else. So if you think about if you're driving along and you accidentally cut somebody off and they start honking at you like, fuck you, oh my God, your response is not necessarily like, wow, thank you for bringing that up. I, I'm going to really take that to heart and think about it, right? right. Let's think about so, my behavior. Yeah. But if somebody were to say, like catch you in the parking lot and say, hey, I don't know if you were aware, we have a child in the car and blow, you know, and was just genuinely vulnerable with you, you would be so much more apt to listen. Totally. Yeah. We will naturally mimic emotional currents that we feel from people. So if you step into that conversation and and say, and it doesn't even have to be bearing your soul necessarily, it's saying, Hey, listen, I don't feel fully settled about what we were just discussing. And I want to be respectful if you can't go there right now, but it would mean the world to me if we could, if we could circle back at some point, Right. right? Like that is far more likely to elicit the response you're looking for but it's also really brave and it's scary and it's vulnerable, but I think it's incredibly courageous and effective. That's what we have to remember is right. That is so much more effective as far as communication goes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's funny because when the conversation shifted to the weather and like this like casual thing and I just like stopped listening because in my mind, I'm like, how do I get us back to where we need to be? But in a way that's going to be effective and in a way that's not going to make it emotionally charged. And so I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like going into like inner coach mode, but I knew that while like the self-righteous person in me who I, it's real Mm -hmm. easy for me to become the self-righteous person in a heated moment. Mm -hmm. I knew that that's like where I really wanted to go, but I knew that that wouldn't be effective. So I had to be like, okay, what's a better tool? Like what's going to actually make the conversation productive and me being like, here's all the reasons that I'm right. and You're wrong. Well, that would feel really good for 30 seconds. It would Mm -hmm. not get me anywhere. So I did have to go to that place of vulnerability to be like, Hey, like, here's how I'm feeling. And here's what I really need right now. And I don't know if that's something that you can help me with or not, but as soon as I said, like, here's what I need. And I toned it down to like, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how I need. And really, I was like, here's what I need. It was a situation that I was feeling scared about. So I was like, I'm telling you that I'm feeling scared about something right now. And I'm just hoping that you can see that part of the situation and story. And then we can like, and so right away, like guards down, like, and the other person was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I hear what you're saying about feeling scared. And I want to make sure that I'm here for you, even if we don't agree on this situation. And that totally changed it. Did I want to be like, Hey, I'm feeling scared. No, I wanted to be like, I'm right. But that it created that space of of vulnerability for sure. Yeah. It's tricky because a lot of times we get really caught up in what I like to call the surface issue versus the root issue. And it sounds like the surface issue that you're debating about is about who's right as it Mm -hmm. pertains to this topic. (laughs) Totally. The root issue is how each of you feel 
in relation right. to that topic. Right. So like a perfect example is if you and your partner, let's say, argue about how to properly load the dishwasher, right? <laughs> you can I mean, argue- Amy, on this one, I am always right though. That's right. <laughs> Girl, same. Okay. <laughs> All right. We know that. Okay. So, but that's the problem with doubling down on rightness is no one's ever going to budge because they're already 100% bought into them being right, but you can't necessarily, or it's harder. I would say it's harder to fight somebody on if their feelings are right or not. Right. So if you're arguing and constantly going to head about this is the right way to load it. This is blah, 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 blah. You're not talking about why it matters to you and what the emotions are about that issue. So that's the root. So it could be what that says to me is you don't give a shit about what I do in the house. You don't respect my contribution in the home that what it says to me is disrespect or what it says to me is a disregarding, a dismissal of my wants and needs or right. It's being able to articulate what that means to you emotionally, but it's a lot easier to just say, God damn it. The spoons go here or the plates go here. (laughs) Totally. totally. You know, then to really talk about, I actually feel really dismissed in our partnership. Mm -hmm. That's a lot harder. Yes. Oh my gosh. Such a great example. Okay. So you talk about, you say that you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. Can you talk about that? The control person in me is like, no, like I'm going to control how all my things are received in conversations and the world. How's that been working out? Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So this, I mean, this goes right back to like self-righteousness and vulnerability and everything. So yeah. Explain away, please. So what I mean by this is You are always responsible for who you are being. And if you are proud of who you are being, if you are in alignment with who you are being, then you're good. You're golden. So I'll give you an example to kind of illustrate this because the problem that we come across is that the reception is so incredibly varied that it is impossible to be all of the things that everybody else wants. Perfect example would be one that I shared with earlier. You know, my mom, if I was concerned with her reception of me, I would be going to church every weekend and telling her what I was reading in the Bible or devotionals or things like that. Right. And so we've had experiences where I've had to say to her, you know, please do not invite me to these events or please do not give me these types of gifts. I don't give you books on Wiccan or astrology or, you know, things that you would find (laughs) offensive. And I would really appreciate the same respect in return. And her reception, of course, like this was the child that she raised with a very specific belief system. I imagine that that's devastating for her. Mm -hmm. Is that my responsibility to carry? It's not. I'm not responsible for how she receives that. I'm responsible for how I showed up. Am I okay with my delivery? How I said that to her? Was I kind? Am I standing in my own value system? And when I can use me as the barometer of success every time, I can win. But I cannot win if I'm trying to always make other people happy. In fact, I had a situation that I used this exact thing. It was probably, it was around the 2016 election. And I did a podcast that was specifically around communicating with people in your life who are on different sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly diplomatic, but I was a bit of a contrarian in the way that I named the podcast. And I named it, you know, Amy's guide to dealing with the Trump presidency. Well, there were some folks who reached out and the reception was, oh my gosh, I had no idea how I was going to navigate the holidays. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I had other people who didn't give a shit. They were checked out. They weren't there. Oh, I stay out of politics. I'm like, okay, (laughs) what a privilege. And then there were others who were like, you lost a follower, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did you listen to the episode though? (laughs) And they were like, nope, nope. Won't even go there. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, gosh, peace be with you friend. And (laughs) So I started to look at the myriad of ways that this was received. 
And I went, okay. Super interesting. Yeah. Super interesting that you got like, just those, the assumptions that people would make. Yeah. I would probably make, I mean, I would have been like, Hey man, like, I'm so glad you put up the guide. Cause I would make an assumption that it was like aligned with my values. Yeah. Go ahead. Super interesting though. Yeah. And then the people who didn't were assumed that I was, you know, bashing Trump and things like that. And, and I have very different thoughts now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd probably do a different episode now, but a lot of the concepts I think are really, really important in how we communicate with one another, because we know scientifically that people will not listen to one another unless they feel understood. So what Mm -hmm. we all want is to be heard. We all want people to understand our perspective. So we have to give that to other people, no matter how repulsive that might feel to us. And there's ways I think that our humanity is far more in alignment than we realize. Anyway, I could go down that a totally different rabbit hole. But what I did in that situation is I went back and I looked at, okay, what is my intention? And really what that is, is am I proud of the woman that I was? Am I proud of the person that I showed up as when I released that episode. So I went back and I listened to it and I was like, you know what? There is absolutely nothing that I would change. And Mm -hmm. I went, okay, cool. That is where I can go. Okay. If people are aligned, great. If they're not, that's not my responsibility. But what that doesn't mean is that you're void of it hurting, right? Like it still hurts when you're told, you know, negative comments on the internet still fucking hurts. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a different stance in your family about something, just because you're aligned with you feel good, you have sort of this dichotomous emotion where on one hand, you're so proud of yourself. And then on the other hand, you're just genuinely disappointed or you're sad that you are not aligned with this other individual. So I think to your point earlier about, okay, just set a boundary and everything's fucking shitting glitter. That's not the case. (laughs) It's set a boundary and you'll be proud of yourself. And you may also experience other emotions that aren't super comfortable. Yeah, that's super true. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And I would say it's interesting. I find like, if you're learning how to set boundaries in new ways, you can get done. So this happened to me with the situation that I, the story that I shared, like after the fact, I was like, okay, like I did something new and different. That was good. It had a good outcome. I didn't leave the interaction feeling like, Whoa, I did it. Like give myself a medal. I was still like, that is uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. I still felt like angsty around it. And I was actually talking to my therapist about it. Who was like, you did an amazing thing. You should be so proud of yourself. Like you used all your tools. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just still felt weird and different. Cause it just felt like this weird and different thing to be practicing. And so I think that, yeah, there's like, there's a lot of emotion that comes with practicing, doing things in new ways. And if you're a type a person who likes to perseverate on things, you might look back at the interaction over and over and be like, so should I have done this or did that work? Or how did that person feel? I mean, I still, after the fact was like, did 
could I have done better? And so I'm still kind of dissecting it, even though it was a good thing. And I think that creates space for growth. And also like, I need to just get over it and move on. But I think that there's always this, like the loop that plays where you're looking back and taking, kind of picking things apart and figuring it out. Well, I think what you're describing here is like a boundary hangover, right? Mm, Where you're like, what have I done? Who did I text? Oh my God. Totally. Like you're kind of having this boundary hangover because it is emotionally taxing to use these skills when we're used to the defense technique of people pleasing. So even if we look at our primitive fear responses. We have fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Fawn is a little newer to the discussion, but the primitive equivalent would be if you're about to be attacked by a mountain lion and you're like, to fawn in that situation would be, oh, here, kitty, 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 kitty. Here's Mm -hmm. some meat. I'm going to throw it over there, right? Well, all of these fear responses have modern iterations and the modern iteration of fawning is people pleasing. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is new to me. And I feel like I've like missed out on a whole like corner of the self-help universe now that I don't know, didn't know about fawning. So I'm excited to hear about this. Well, the thing that I want to underline more than anything is that most of us develop that behavioral defense mechanism in our youth Mm -hmm. to stay safe because it was a way that we could fly under the radar, or maybe we had, you know, abusive or substance abusive family members or parents where we learned that in order to literally not be hit or to, you know, stay safe, we had to placate, we had to appease, acquiesce. And because of that, it registers in the subconscious faculty of the mind that that now is a known behavior that is, has a positive association. So the subconscious has a positive association with people pleasing, mm-hmm. right? Until you get to a point later on in life where you realize, oh shit, that behavioral tactic, that defense mechanism is impeding my joy because now I'm just a liar. I'm never telling anybody what I really think, or my partner has no idea what I really need, or I'm seeing the patterns uh, starting to be exhibited in my children. And I want to change that paradigm. So we get to a point where it kind of flips. And instead of keeping it safe, it actually really starts to wreak havoc. And that's where I find a lot of women, I work largely with those who identify as women and that notion of like, okay, this is hurting more than it's helping. Mm -hmm. is that's usually when people start to create that change. But here's what I will say. People pleasing is not always a bad thing. All right. If you're a part of a marginalized community, I mentioned earlier, I I identify as pansexual. And so if I'm around a bunch of people and let's say they are hugely anti-queer and it is clear that they would be violent towards somebody like that, that's probably not the space for me to get up on my soapbox and wave my rainbow flag, right? Like that's not the time because the most important thing always is your personal safety. So I don't want to, I do think this is a place where sometimes self-help concepts go wrong, Mm -hmm. where it's like never people please ever fucking ever don't ever do it. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a reason why we use it in the face of fear right? There's a reason why we fawn. It's to take care of ourselves. So in a situation where you actually have impending physical danger, people please the fuck out of yourself. That's fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're talking about it more in the context of not speaking up in my business, not speaking up in my family, not speaking up with my children, Mm -hmm. right? Those situations where we, we basically say it's a essentially what's happening sort of on a subconscious level is we're saying that person's wants, needs, and opinions are more important than my own. And that does massive damage to your self-worth. Absolutely. You mentioned self-help going wrong and there's definitely, because self-help has become such a huge industry. And this is, we could talk about this for a whole entire hour, I'm sure easily, if not many more hours, but it's such a huge industry that's not super well-regulated. And there's a lot of stuff out there that can be interpreted in ways that can be dangerous. Can you talk just a little bit more about like, what do you mean by when self-help goes wrong? And I think that piece of safety is really, really important. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Sure. Well, there's sort of a litany of ways that I think self-help can go wrong. A couple of them are when you absorb content like this, 
you listen to things and you do jack shit with them where you, I like to call it collecting personal development where you just collect. Oh, I got another book. Oh, got another, this, you got to listen to another podcast. I read all of the Brene books and I read like, yes, (laughs) like totally. But then you don't really do anything with your thought process. You don't dig into Mm -hmm. your beliefs. You don't analyze your values. You don't do anything with it. So that's one. Another huge one I see, and I'm sure you see this as well, is starting to be sort of an evangelist for what you're learning or prescribing Mm -hmm. self-help on other people. So you listen to stuff and instead of thinking about how you can apply that to your own life, you go, oh my God, my sister needs to hear this. Uh, and then you go push it down her throat like a goddamn MLM. You're like, I have an opportunity yep. for you. I have an opportunity. <laughs> I have a special I, invitation for just I've a got, few close friends. Check out this protein powder and also this podcast really quick. So where you start prescribing it instead of offering and inviting. So those are a couple of ways. Another way that people do this is actually in boundaries where they become so rooted in this idea that I'm going to speak up. I'm going to boundary up where they almost become bullies or override what anybody else is feeling. Mm -hmm. And they'll use a self-help concept to use as like a noble excuse. So what this might look like is someone who's made a commitment to you, let's say to be there for a specific event that you're participating in. And they, you know, maybe it's a kid's birthday party and they were going to bring stuff or whatever, whatever. And you're really genuinely counting on them. And then they decide that now is the time to to step into a boundary. And they say, you know what? I just really stretch thin and I don't think I can take anything else on. And so, and if you can't understand that, then you don't care about my self-care and you, you know (laughs) what I mean? Weaponizing self-help. Exactly. (laughs) Weaponizing self-help. Exactly. So there's definitely ways to handle situations like that, but it's where you get on your high horse and you go, no, 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 no. I'm doing self-help right. Yeah. You need to respect it or fuck you. And so there's a handful of ways that I think it can go awry. Those are so eye-opening. And because I'm sure I know I have so many listeners who have wonderful intentions, but when you get excited about new things, you're like, I'm going to practice my boundaries. And totally to your point, like you do it at the wrong time, or like you just have poor judgment or you're pushing it on other people. Like all those things are things that we do sometimes without like checking ourselves first. So I love those examples so much. Okay. Final question for you. In what ways are you currently showing up shamelessly, Amy? You know, I think, gosh, the easiest way for me to really show up, you know what? I'm going to actually do the one that's been the most challenging lately. So my husband and I moved to the South about four years ago and I originally from Southern California and now I'm in Charlotte and I, when I tell you, I have learned how to speak up for myself in new ways. (laughs) I have found myself in situations where I'm dealing with a lot of individuals who have incredibly different ideological viewpoints than I do. Mm. And it has been such a challenge to really rope myself in and genuinely use my tools, genuinely come from that place of grace and kindness. And I've had to declare the do-over a few times and clean up some messes. And it's been really, really illuminating. I was going to say through my fashion and through like the glasses that I choose to wear and shit like that, (laughs) but that's kind of a cop-out. But I think, yeah, largely in genuinely embodying the work that I do on a day in and day out basis Mm, in new ways. So powerful. So good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Amy, where can people find you? Where can they check out all of your resources and, you know, stalk you on the internet? Yep. Tons of free shit over at amygreensmith.com. Green is just like spelled, just like the color with no E. And then I can be found on any social media platform under the handle. Hey, Amy Green Smith. And there's lots of freebies over on my site. I've been doing my own podcast for almost nine years. Tons of goodies over there. Some hypnosis. And what's the name of your podcast? And we'll link that as well. Oh yeah. My podcast, I always forget to do that. <laughs> my podcast is called the bold face truth. And I know that you mentioned on an episode fairly recently, you were talking about telling bold face lies. Like you're just telling bold face lies. And that's exactly why I named the podcast Mm. the bold face truth. Cause I thought what would shift for us if we were committed to really yeah. honoring that. So come okay. hang out and 
as I mentioned, I'm segueing much into speaking. So if you have an association or organization that needs messages around communication and boundaries and enoughness and fear, you can check me out over at Amy Green Smith. I love it. I want everyone to hire you to speak on boundaries like right now. This has been amazing, Amy. So we will link everything up over on our site. So if you people go to shamelessmom.com and then click on the episode with Amy Green Smith, it will have everything linked up. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I love that we got to talk through some really specific examples and get really clear on how to use boundaries in different ways and how to just navigate the trickiness that is boundaries. This has been so valuable and I'm so grateful, Amy. Oh, I've had a blast. I'm definitely going to want to have you on my show. So we'll chat about that. Oh my that. gosh. Done, done and done. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.